Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. Thanks for tuning into the service this weekend. My name is Caleb. And I'm Andy, and we'll be today's service hosts. Feel free to use the chat feature throughout the service. The chat feature is a great tool to connect and interact with other people who are watching the service with you. And even though we're your on-camera service hosts, we have some amazing people behind the scenes that are monitoring our chat feed right now. Now, in just a few moments, we'll jump into worship and hear a great message from Pastor Daryl. But before we do, we have a few announcements. First, it's communion weekend. So while you are listening to the announcements, feel free to run to your kitchen and grab some juice and bread or a variation of the sort and join us in communion at the end of the service. Second, we have our student band leading worship this weekend. Woohoo! So we just want to give them a special shout out and a huge thanks for leading us in worship today. At Christ Community Church, we believe that every child is a gift from God, and we have an opportunity for you to share in that belief coming up soon. We're having our child dedication weekend on Saturday and Sunday, November 14th and 15th during services. This is a wonderful tradition. We get to recognize and celebrate parents publicly declaring their commitment to teach their kids the importance of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Registration closes this weekend on November 1st, so be sure to sign up soon. Mark your calendars for our Creating Hope for Cambodia virtual fundraiser. That's right, this event is virtual. Creating Hope for Cambodia will be on Friday and Saturday, November 13th and 14th. Our vendor sites will go live at 4 p.m. on Friday and closes midnight on Saturday. And even though it's looking a little different this year than in years past, this fundraiser will still be filled with incredible vendors, merch, donation opportunities, and so much more. Be sure to check out our social media and website in the upcoming weeks for exciting updates and more information about the event. As we get ready to worship, we just want to remind you that this is an opportunity to lean in and participate. So if you're able to, we invite you to stand up to your feet, put your hands together, and let's worship Jesus. Hallelujah 
church, just the fact that we have the right and the ability to worship you even in the hard times. Dear Lord, I'd like to pray that we all have a good week ahead and that we continue to look to you in our darkest hours. Dear Lord, thank you for everything that you've given us. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. What an incredible time of worship that was. Thanks again to our student band for leading us in worship today. Yes, thank you so much, students. I'm Andy, and this is Caleb, and we'll be your service hosts today. We value generosity here at Christ Community Church, and a part of our DNA is sending and supporting missionaries around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple of ways you can worship through your giving is to text CCC Rochester to 77977 or simply click the give link on your screen. And as always, we are super grateful for your generosity. If this is your first time joining us online here at CCC, welcome. We are thrilled to welcome you to our church. We invite you to take this moment to fill out our online connection card. It is a great way for us to connect with you here at CCC. All you have to do is click the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. You can even click the request prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected in that way too. We are continuing to pray for each of you and we would love to join with you today in lifting up your specific needs and praises. 
If you would like prayer at any time during the service, simply click the request prayer button and our host will be available to pray with you right then and there. There are many opportunities to receive prayer throughout the week as well. You can check these out on the prayer page of our website. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now, here's the message from Daryl. pressure. The measure of a man in storms and bad weather. The ability to see clearly as a fire grows hotter, only to act as a faith purifier. And much like a diamond buried deep in the earth, it is the pressure that we face that reveals our faith's worth. So when your strength begins to fail you, there is grace for your need. He is waiting, open-handed, and his grace is free. Grace under pressure. Greetings, Christ Community Church. I hope you're having a great weekend. I know we're celebrating, uh, many of us are celebrating Halloween in our neighborhoods. And also, on October 31st, Saturday, is Reformation Day, which is a is a big weekend for uh, the Protestant church. If you don't know about that, I'd encourage you to Google it and read a little bit. Um, we bought our Halloween candy early this year, which was a bad move on uh, our part because I can't stay out of it. So we shopped twice for Halloween candy so that the kids in our neighborhood would have a chance. Um, I hope you've had a safe, a fun celebration uh, in our communities. So I was reading this week, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal titled, Finding Hope When Everything Feels Hopeless. It's written by a lady named Elizabeth Bernstein, and she begins her article with a statement that I really like. She says that hope is the very best reaction in this moment. And she really wrote those words in October of 2020, that hope is the very best reaction for the moment. And I agree with her. She ends her article with another statement that I really like and that I agree with. She says that hope begets hope. So I want to talk with you today about hope, and I want to give you two different definitions of hope. The first one is from her article. She defines hope as a yearning for something possible but not certain, such as a better future, and a belief that you have some power to make it happen. And what I like about this definition is that it reminds me that there is the potential for things to be better that it doesn't have to be like it is today. What I don't like about this definition is that it puts all the weight for this better future, for these positive changes, it puts all that weight on me. It's on me to envision it. It's on me to articulate it. It's on me to, to work to make it happen. And it's this, I know that there are all these factors that are outside of my control, and so I read a definition like this, and I come to the end of it thinking that this kind of hope is really more hoping. And, and so it's kind of like, you know, I hope the Vikings win this weekend, or I hope my kid gets into her first choice for college, or, or you know, I hope we find a vaccine. Alexander Pope, who's a poet, he said, that hope springs eternal in the human breast. 
And he's mostly right. Hope springs eternal within human beings. But other poets have also described this hope that comes from within us. They've used words like fragile and faint, trembling, feeble, and even the word phantom. So I'm looking for a better kind of hope because I don't think this kind of hope stands up to the storms of life and circumstances that you and I are experiencing this kind of hope makes for a good pep talk or maybe a pregame speech. It's definitely better than nothing, but I know me. And I know some of my many limitations, and I'm pretty aware of how many things are outside of my control these days. So if my hope rests on me and my ability to envision, articulate, and bring about that preferred future in such an unstable environment... It's more hoping than it is having hope. So could I offer you a second definition for hope? And I'm actually calling this one Christian hope. Christian hope is the expectation of a favorable future under God's direction. It's expecting a favorable future under God's direction. And what I like about this definition is it reminds me that things can and should be better than they are. And it places the weight of better on God's shoulders. In, it's on him to declare what that better is, and it's on him to direct and to orchestrate that coming about. And so I'm hoping you notice how different these definitions are. The first definition, and, and these are very practical differences, that first definition, it really begins, and I would argue it ends with a word yearning or hoping for something better, whereas Christian hope begins and ends with expectation, which is solid, and it's, and it's hope. And so what I want us to talk about today, from 1 Peter chapter 3, I want us to talk about, first, how to cultivate Christian hope, and then I want to talk with you for a little bit about how to share this hope that you have with those who are around you, maybe looking for hope, and then we're going to wrap all of this up and take communion together. So if you don't have your communion supplies yet, I'd encourage you to go grab them. And uh, bread and juice are the closest thing that you can get to that. And we'll take communion uh, at the end of our time together. So I want to begin by reading to us from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. The Apostle Peter, writing in the mid-50s AD to a group of Christians who were scattered who were exiles, foreigners, physically and spiritually, he says to them, he says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what's right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So I just want to start this by looking back at verse 13, that first little question that we read. Peter asks, he says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And our, our gut response, or maybe the response that's on the tip of our tongue, is maybe like, nobody, right? If I'm, if I'm doing good, in my community, if I'm doing God's kind of good, especially has been laid out for us in these first couple chapters of this letter that we've been looking at, if I'm doing God's kind of good, 
Am I going to suffer? Who's going to harm me for that? And we get a little unexpected answer here in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, and what we need to take away from that is there is no way to avoid harm, pain, or suffering. This rhetorical question in verse 13 is kind of written in a way that you would expect everybody to say, nobody's going to harm me if I'm doing good, and yet we are undeserved. Suffering is a real thing. One of my favorite movie quotes, I'm not going to tell you where it's from, I'm going to leave you to figure that out yourself. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who tells you differently is trying to sell you something. And I love that little quote, and it is true. Life is pain. There is no way to avoid pain, harm, and suffering, and that's the downside. But there is an upside, and that is in the midst of what's going on in our life and the circumstances of our lives, you and I can live with hope. And I would repeat that quote from the Wall Street Journal article I started with. Hope is the very best reaction for the moment. Not not hoping, but hope. And so let me share with you from these verses three things about cultivating Christian hope or choosing Christian hope in your life comes straight out of those three verses that we read. The first thing is something for you to know. And I want you to know that the Lord is paying special attention to you in your undeserved suffering. This little statement here in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I'm blessed. That's, that's a word like in the Beatitudes that are recorded most famously in Matthew chapter 5. It's the first sermon recorded that Jesus is speaking and he uses blessed are. And he goes on to talk about different kinds of people in different kinds of circumstances who are blessed. Blessed is an action that God takes, but it's also a category of humankind that he looks at and he declares People who are enduring undeserved suffering, fall. they're they're in this category of people that he declares to be blessed. And so if, if you're listening to me and you are enduring undeserved suffering, what you can picture your Heavenly Father doing for you is, is placing his hand on your head in an act of blessing And as he's doing that, he is ministering to you in these moments of suffering. And while he's ministering to you, he is also writing your name on the list of people that he intends to honor and to exalt and lift up because you have been knocked down, because you are suffering when you don't deserve to be suffering. And what God has planned for you after this season of suffering is over is going to make everything that you're going through all right. And more than that, it's going to make everything that you're going through completely and totally worth it. And I just wanted you to know that today. So know this. The Lord is paying special attention to you in your undeserved suffering. Here's the second thing. There's something for you to trust. The Lord has you in your suffering. And whatever that suffering looks like for you, whatever this season is, however short or however long it has been, whether you can see an end to it or not, the Lord has you in this suffering. One of the things, the next thing that Peter writes here in his letter, he writes those words, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. And what is happening here in this letter that Peter writes that first group of Christians into us 
as Christian people, what's going on in this moment is he is quoting something that the prophet Isaiah wrote. Seven or eight hundred years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, God was speaking to the prophet who was staring at undeserved suffering in his life. And what God said to him in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, God said, Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He's the one you are to fear. He's the one that you are to dread. And what was going on in that day is that the people who were around Isaiah, they had walked away from the Lord and they had put their trust in their own wisdom and in strength, in the strength of people who did not honor and did not listen to the Lord. And their fear and their worry about what might happen to them led them into all kinds of disobedience. And what God was doing was he was saying to Isaiah, he was saying, hey, I've got you. I don't want you to be afraid. You're facing the same things that these other people are facing, but I don't want you to be afraid of what they're afraid of. And I don't want you to be worried about what they're worried about because the things that they were afraid of and the things that they were worried about were temporary. And they were things that are under God's control. And what God was saying to his man, Isaiah, in that moment, and what he would say to you in this moment is, hey, I've got you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid about the things that the culture and the people who do not know or honor God are afraid of or worried about. You don't have to follow their lead. I've got you in all of this because what we're looking at and what worries our culture is temporary and it is under God's control. In the middle of all of these things, God is saying, he's repeating it to us, don't follow along with the fear and the worry that's going on around you. The fear and the worry that's going on around you is about temporary stuff and it's about stuff that is under God's control and he has his hands around you. I like what God had Isaiah say to a king named Ahaz. It was just a little bit before these verses we read in chapter 8. If Ahaz had made these words, I'm going to share with you in just a moment, if he had made these words the headline that he read every morning, instead of the reports he was reading about what was going on in the world around him, I think it would have made all the difference for the king and for the nation. Listen what God's had Isaiah say to King Ahaz. This is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4. He says, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid, don't lose heart. Because the Lord was with him and because the Lord had him. And then there's one more thing here from our little verses for today to help us cultivate Christian hope. And this one is a command to obey. But it's not a command like in a finger-shaking sort of way. This is, this is a logical next step based on the things that we just talked about, on how God is ministering to us and blessing us in our suffering and how he's got us in our suffering. This is the next logical step. And so it's more, it's more of a like a, hey, here's the path of life. Walk in this. It's more of a shepherding command than a finger-shaking command and this command is there in verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So in your heart, at the very center, at the very core of who you are as a person, 
you know, the heart is the seat of your, your emotions and your will. And like at, the, at the seat of who you are, at the core of who you are, revere Christ as Lord. You know, we all have a Lord or a master or a boss. You know, there's someone or there's something that's calling the shots in each one of our lives. You could be your own Lord. Money can be your Lord. Circumstances can be your Lord. What you're afraid of could be your Lord. Something maybe that you're addicted to can be Lord over you. There are all sorts of little L potential Lords in our lives and there is only one capital L Lord and that is Jesus. And until you revere him as Lord at the core of your being, the best you're gonna be able to experience in life is, is that hoping until you revere Jesus as Lord, like capital L, Lord of your life, the best you're going to get is hoping. And as you revere him as Lord in your life, what you're going to receive and experience is this solid, expecting kind of hope. Because hope comes from whatever your Lord or whoever your Lord is. And if your Lord is one of those small L lords, the best that they or it can give to you is hoping. And when your Lord is capital L, Lord Jesus, he gives you rock solid, stand firm in the, in the storms of life, hope. And so in just a couple minutes, we're going to take communion together. If you've realized that, that you've been afraid of the things that the people who don't know God around us are afraid of, or that you've been revering someone or something else as Lord in your life, I'm going to offer you, in communion, I'm going to offer you just a moment to do something about that. If you're willing to revere Jesus as the capital L Lord of your life, that's going to be an amazing change for you because you really will from go from being a person who feels either hopeless or hoping to being a person who experiences real hope. And this hope is not just, like for those of us who have this hope, this hope is not just for us to hold on to. It's also for us to share. And when we talk about sharing this hope that we have, maybe that's where you're palms start to get a little bit sweaty or you start worrying and wondering and I'll just tell you if that's like if that's you that's me too but here's here's the deal each one of us has a story to share it's a story of faith it's a story of how we came to the point we discovered that Jesus is our hope that apart from him we had no hope that there was no other hope we maybe were hoping or we were hopeless but Jesus is our hope, plodding through life and just settling for the best that we could come up with. And we, we encounter Jesus and we put our hope, our trust in him. And for some of you, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's happening right now. You know, maybe in this moment, you're taking Jesus up on his offer to you to give you hope. You're saying yes to him. You're saying yes to his forgiveness. You're saying yes to his life that he wants to give to you. Yes, to the future that he has for you. Yes, to the eternity that he is offering to you. And, and what, 
sharing the hope within you is, is sharing the story of how Jesus gave you hope. It's your story. And so if, if this is the kind of thing that, that makes your palms sweat, makes your brain kind of start running around in circles, and you're not sure if you can get words out of your mouth, let me just hopefully relieve a little bit of pressure for you on this. We all have a few stories that we tell over and over again at different places to new people. Maybe they're party stories of some kind. Maybe, maybe you had a cool experience in a study abroad, or maybe you had a cool experience while you were traveling, or maybe you had some childhood experiences that were formative. And the people who know you know these stories. If you're married, maybe it's about how you met your spouse and what a, like how you became a fan of the sports team that you're a fan of. There are a number of ways and there are a number of stories that we all have that we tell. And in the same way, you have a story that explains why you have hope. And again, it's your story. Your story is unique to you because you have hope through your relationship with Jesus. And so it's your story to tell. And so maybe your story includes philosophy and science and the really big questions of life. Like if that's you, awesome. Tell that story. Maybe it includes some life-altering trauma that you've experienced. If that's you, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that trauma. But how glad are you and we that at the end of all of that was Jesus and he met you there and he gave you his hope. He's redeeming you and he's over-redeeming you. Maybe it's about knowing and believing Jesus was there as long as you can remember. Maybe you were raised in this truth and maybe it's something that was taught to you and prayed over you and, and it's just been in you since the earliest days. That's your story about how you have hope and it's a beautiful story. It's your hope and it's your reason for why you have hope. And I would encourage you, to work on being able to share that story. To know what maybe the talking points are, what the important pieces of it are. Again, if you, if you kind of connect it to some of those stories that you tell over and over again in different places, as people are getting to know you, you know that in the telling of that story, you, you realize what's important and what people need to understand what you're trying to communicate about yourself. And your faith story is the same. And so this doesn't have to be some studied, I got to know all the answers to the questions somebody might ask me. This doesn't have to be like if this is a fearful, anxiety-ridden kind of deal. This is, this is one of the stories that you tell about yourself, about why it is you have hope. And so I would encourage you to work on kind of what are the, what are the pieces of that story that someone needs to know to understand my why and then tell that story when you feel a little nudge inside yourself to share it with somebody. Because what that little nudge inside yourself is, is that's God the Holy Spirit living in you, saying, hey, this person, they, they don't have any hope. Or maybe they're hoping, and you have hope. And the story of your finding hope in Jesus is going to help them find their hope in Jesus. And so tell the story, and as you do it, these words that Peter writes, do it with gentleness and with respect, just remembering that you were a person 
who needed hope and you found hope in Jesus and you're talking to somebody else who needs hope and Jesus will be hope for them because Jesus is our only hope. So as we move into communion, I want to share one more quote with you for today. I don't know where I got this. I picked it up in my reading actually this week. And I've been pondering it as I prepared for our time together. I really like it. When faith responds to love, we find hope. And communion is an act where faith can respond to love, which leads to hope. God is love. The Bible tells us that God is love. And he has, not only is it his character and the definition of who he is, God loves us. And he has demonstrated his love for us in Jesus. And the elements of communion remind us of this love that God has for us. And the taking of these elements in communion, they are an act of faith. They're they're a yes to what God has offered us in Jesus. They're our reminder and our declaration that, that Jesus is our hope. And we're trusting him as his, he's offered his body. The bread represents his body, which was broken for us. And he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven on the cross. And, and that is the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. And when faith our faith responds to God's love. We have hope. And so as, as you get your elements for communion, if you take the bread, and if you're willing, as you eat this bread, would you, would you just whisper a little prayer? You could maybe whisper it with your lips, but for sure whisper it in your heart. Just as you take this bread today, Jesus, you are my only hope. Let's eat this bread together. If you take the juice... represents Jesus's blood shed so that we could be rescued we could be forgiven we could have hope as you drink this juice if you're willing you just tell Jesus with your mouth from your heart in my heart Jesus you are my Lord let's drink together Can I pray for us? If you'd bow your head and close your eyes with me. And then after I pray, I'll give you some discussion questions for your time after this message. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we revere you as Lord. We, we can't make it with the kind of hope that we can drum up for ourselves or that this world around us offers if we have to somehow be in control or make it happen, it, we just don't have what it takes. You are our hope. 
And so today we place our hope in you. We declare, Jesus, you alone are our hope. You are, you are our Lord. We submit ourselves to you. We want you to be in control of us. We acknowledge that you are ultimately in control of the things that are going on around us. We don't want to worry. We don't want to fear. We don't want worry and fear to drive us into disobedience, walking away from from you. We don't want it to put us on a path that leads away from your kind of life. So call us back, please. Bring us back. Keep us on your path. And would you remind us regularly of what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. May we be filled with hope that begets hope. And give us Give us courage, give us conviction, give us compassion for the people who are around us, who are doing the best they can, but they don't have what you offer yet. And so, Jesus, we we really do appreciate what you've done. Thank you for giving yourself for us. Thank you for giving yourself to us. We want to hold you out in gentle, respectful ways to the community around us and our circles of influence. You are worthy of you are worthy of the worship and glory and honor and Our friends need to know you. And so we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let me ask you a few questions that you could talk about. I think I've got five of them here for you. The first one really is just a, uh, just kind of an icebreaker. Share a movie quote connected to this message, or you could share another quote from the movie that I referenced earlier. So you're going to have to do a little bit. If you don't know that movie, you're going to have to do a little bit of work there. Um, The second one. When you hear a command from the Bible, what tone of voice or facial expression do you usually connect with that? What do you assume is involved with that? Next question, third question. What part of choosing Christian hope that we talked about today, I'll give you three things. What part of choosing Christian hope uh, meant the most to you? And then my last question for you today is, um, which two or three things for sure belong in your faith story. So if you're with people that you can trust and talk about these important things, I'd encourage you to kind of share your faith stories together and maybe even point at a couple things for each other. Say, hey, that, that's part of your reason for why you have hope in Jesus. And I really hope you get the opportunity in these next few days to share with someone who is hopeless or hoping why you have hope in Jesus. So may God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you know of any needs in our church or in our community, please reach out as we want to help. You can either contact the church office or go to the service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you have a great rest of your day.